You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Today we land in Luke chapter 11. I'm so excited to be in Luke chapter 11 with you guys. Thank you for having me here to preach this message Please follow along with me as we read. It'll be Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Now let me pray a blessing over God's word before I continue to preach. Father, thank you for your word. Lord God, thank you for this instance in scripture where we see you describing and, and, and explaining to your disciples what it means to pray and what it looks like to pray and what it looks like to enter into your presence, what it looks like to pursue you and to ask you for our needs, what it looks like to approach you as our Father in heaven who loves us and has been so generous and so good and merciful and gracious and loving to us. Lord, we just admit that we need you. We need you, as the song said today, as we sang in worship, Lord, we need you. We need you more than anything else. We need you more than the breath that we breathe on a daily basis. We need you, and we need to understand how to approach you. So you've been so good to us to give us this text. So help us to hear you. Help us to hear your spirit. Help our hearts to be open. Help the desires and the affections of our life to be challenged by your word. Help the way that we think to be changed and transformed. Therefore, coming out of that, help our lifestyles and the way that we behave and the way that we act and the way that we walk and the way that we live. Help that to be challenged and changed. Help us to be encouraged this morning. We pray, oh God, that your presence would be here and that your word would challenge us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So the question here is, what is the problem with our prayer lives? Right? This is one of the major questions of the text. What is the problem with our prayer lives? And I'm convinced that the problem for us, oftentimes with our prayer lives, is that we sometimes don't understand the purpose or the practice of prayer. We sometimes treat prayer like it's something we must do to get what we want or what we desire. We treat prayer as kind of like a 911 toss-up call when the wheels come off the bus, right? It's like, holy smokes, this thing just fell apart. i got to get on my face before Jesus. Sometimes we treat it that way. Sometimes we don't know what to say when it comes to prayer. We feel inadequate or we feel, we feel insecure about prayer. And so we then sometimes shy away from praying, oftentimes shy away from praying for others, praying publicly, or just shy away from prayer altogether. Sometimes we just question the character of God in heaven. Would he really answer this prayer? Is this prayer important enough for him to speak to us, to hear us? And so we then, at times, shy away from prayer. Another thing we do sometimes is that we treat prayer like a mantra. We just say the same thing over and over and over and over and over like a broken record. And we kind of wonder, why do our prayer lives lack the power that we wish that it would? Why, why, Why do our prayer lives then lack the power and connection to our Father in heaven in such a way that we sense the the power of the Holy Spirit coursing through us in our prayers as we connect to the fire. Father, why is it that our prayer lives sometimes feel like as we pray, our prayers go no higher than the ceiling above us? I understand the ceiling here is kind of high, but a nine-foot ceiling in a house feels like it just bounces off the ceiling and lands right back down. Sometimes our prayer lives feel like there's not much going on here, and it feels like dead words rolling off the tongue. Why is that? This is why I love the opening 
verse of this text, the opening words of this scripture that we're studying. I love it because what it does is it reveals the disciples as being people who were very curious about praying. And so they, they come to Jesus and they, they ask him, they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And this is the attitude that my hope and my prayer would be that we would all have this morning. Whether we are 15 minutes into walking with Jesus or 15 years or longer, my prayer and my hope is that we would come with a fresh and an open heart asking for Jesus to give us a fresh revelation of what it actually means to pray, to communicate with God in heaven and what it looks like so that we could walk away and say, man, this morning I got a tune-up in terms of what it looks like to be in communication with my Father in heaven through prayer. My hope is that we would have the same attitude as they did and we would say, Lord, please teach us how to pray. So over and over and over again. Throughout the Gospels, as you read those accounts, what we're seeing is Jesus withdrawing for times of prayer. And this could be a pattern for us. It could be a focus for us. And it, it could show us that the importance of prayer throughout Scripture was modeled by Christ, but it was also taught by Christ in this passage. But, but until now, until now in Luke's Gospel throughout the first 10 chapters, we've only caught glimpses of actually what it looks like to be a praying people. We haven't actually seen Jesus describe and explain what it looks like and what it means to, to, to actually practice prayer. This is why this passage is so crucial for us this morning. We need this passage of Scripture because within these four very short verses, Jesus helps us to gain this perspective of what our posture and our focus needs to look like as we approach God in prayer. When it comes to what our posture and our focus in prayer should look like, this is the way I would say it. I would say this. I would say our prayer should be both vertical and horizontal. It should be both vertical and horizontal. Our prayer should be kind of a double focus. You might even think of it this way. Our prayer should be cross-focused. Could be another way you could say that. So that you could maybe remember visually what I'm preaching to you out of this text. That our prayers need to be both vertically focused and horizontally focused. In other words, our prayer should be vertical communication with our Father in heaven that it invites the establishment of his heavenly kingdom here on earth. This is, should be a focus of our prayer as we focus upon him in heaven establishing his kingdom, building his kingdom here, and he is our Father. Our prayer should also be horizontally focused. So think of the upwards vertical beam of the cross, and think of the horizontal beam of the cross which held our Savior with his arms wide open so that we could then receive provision from our Father in heaven so that he could then be the meat, the feed by which we would feed our very souls and lives. The Spirit would actually feed us through Him as He saves us. We would receive the provision of, of physical transformation as well as spiritual wholeness. So we would have vertical and horizontal prayers. Now can you imagine? Can you imagine what my relationship with my wife might look like? Imagine if you were like a fly on the wall in our home. And what you observed in our relationship was the two of us just saying the exact same things to one another every day. Hey, babe, I'm home. Nice to see you. 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 What if that was the only way that we communicated with each other and it was the only thing that we ever said until an emergency happened and suddenly we came running into the room and freaked out all over each other because there was some emergency taking place? What would the core of our relationship actually look like? See, what Jesus is concerned about in this text is our relationship with Him. Our relationship with our Father in Heaven and the way that we relate to him. Philip Ryken, who is a commentator that I've been studying and as I work my way through the Gospel of Luke, he says this, is the Lord's prayer is a model, not a mantra. The important thing is not using the exact words that Jesus uttered, 
but following the same structure and incorporating the same themes into our life of prayer. Think of what it looks like to just look at Jesus as a model, as He prays, and to incorporate those same themes into our prayers. The question is, is, if we're understanding that prayer is both vertical and horizontal, then what does it look like to actually practice vertical prayer? How do we practice what I'm talking about when it comes to praying vertically or communicating vertically with our Father in Heaven? Well, when Riken describes vertical prayer, he describes it as this. He describes it as God-centered prayer that praises God for who He is and what He is doing. The question we must ask then is, who is God and what is He doing? Biblically, in the text, scripturally, what is, what is He doing in our lives? And in verse 2, Jesus says this. Look at verse 2. When you pray, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And simply put, God is our Heavenly Father who is establishing, building, planting His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So I want you to imagine this with me for a minute. Imagine that you're building a home. In fact, you're building your dream home. You're building the place that you've always wanted to live. And what you've done is you've trusted a contractor to come and do the work on your home. And you call up your contractor, you communicate with him as though every need and every desire that you have is actually in his hands as he builds your home. You communicate with him respectfully. You communicate with him with trust because he is your contractor. He is the one that has the plans for your home. He is the one that has the picture of what your home is going to look like. And he is doing the work. He's building your dream house. You communicate with him confidently because he's in control of everything. This is what it looks like in vertical prayer as we communicate with our Father. What we're actually doing is communicating with God respectfully and confidently as your Heavenly Father who is building the kingdom that you are part of through the shed, blood, and broken body of Jesus Christ. So when we practice vertical prayer, what we're doing in reality, we are relating to God as our Father. Write that down somewhere. In reality, as we practice vertical prayers, we are relating to our Father. We're relating to God as our Father. This is a radical term. I want you to think of the immensity and the power and the majesty and the grandness and the awesomeness of who God our Father is. Think of just the Milky Way as being a piece of the universe around us. My understanding is that one spark of light at one end of the Milky Way could take nearly 100,000 years traveling at the speed of light to get to the other end of that Milky Way. And our scriptures tell me that God our Father holds all of that in the palm of His hand. Scriptures also tell me something else about the palm of his hand. On the palm of his hand is written the names of those whom he loves. The palm of God's hand is pretty fantastic, wouldn't you agree? How do you approach God the Father who is that awesome, that hallowed? How do you approach him? And the scriptures the scriptures are full of examples. But the problem for many of us is this. I want you to think about this other problem. The other problem for many of us is that we didn't have great examples of earthly fathers. If we're to be honest, for a lot of us in this room, our fathers did not leave us with a good example. My father, my story is that my dad left when I was five because he was an alcoholic and a drug addict. My mom as an ex-hippie loved great weed, great whiskey, and great blues music. I still love great blues music. The other two I don't love anymore. But my dad left when I was five. My picture of father is one who abandons his children and doesn't love them. And then the men that came around to be with my mother were men who just used her for sex and anything else they could get, and she would then in turn use them to get her bills paid. 
And so my picture of family is a wreck, it's a mess. And my picture of father is just as bad. Many of us have earthly fathers who weren't so great and then in steps Jesus, in steps God who is to be our father. And we're to relate to him as dad? We're to relate to him as daddy? I mean, that's a hard term for many of us to even say, to use that term daddy, yet Jesus is saying when you approach God in prayer, you approach him as daddy. You approach him as father. Our image a father, marred though it may be by our earthly papas, must be transformed by the biblical definition of heavenly father. The scriptures are full of examples. Full of examples all throughout of, of our heavenly father and how he has been so generous and gracious and merciful and faithful and patient and kind and loving and good. This is the picture of daddy that we get in scripture. It's not the same picture that we get from our earthly daddies oftentimes. This is the father that Jesus is instructing us to approach. He's saying, when you come, come to him and say, father, daddy, hallowed be your name. You're awesome powerful you're majestic this is what it means to be vertically focused this is what it means to practice vertical prayer and god is the father our daddy who is not given us over to a spirit of fear he's not given us over to a spirit of fear but he's actually given us a spirit of sonship whereby we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and assurance because our daddy, our Abba, our Papa in heaven loves us dearly. He has given us a spirit of sonship. He has adopted us. If you are a believer this morning and you know him, he has adopted you through the power and the working of the spirit. God has spoken into existence the faith that is in your heart through the power of the Spirit. And he has drawn you. He has wooed you like a moth to a flame. He has drawn you to Himself through the power of the cross. And He has saved you and radically transformed you and continuously changing you. And that is a picture of adoption. He has taken you out of your old earthly family, your old sin-filled, sin-infected family. And He has placed you now in a heavenly kingdom. He's placed you now in a heavenly home. He's placed you now into a heavenly family. A brand new one made up of a bunch of dirty people who are being made clean. The power of the cross. This is what it means to approach the throne of our Father, our Abba, our Daddy, and say, Father, I love you. You're awesome. You've loved me so deeply you're so you're so powerful so majestic i'm in awe of you it's a picture of a little child who when daddy comes home the little child is not afraid to approach that daddy but when she or he approaches that daddy she is just happy to be in his presence and in awe of who he is and every aspect of who he is this is what it looks like for us guys we have a heavenly father who is full of grace and mercy. He's full of it. He's so full of it that you and I cannot totally comprehend or understand it. He is full of grace, meaning that He continues to give us more than we deserve. He's full of mercy, which means that He continues to withhold from us everything we deserve. He's full of that. Full of grace and mercy. And this is the Father that we get to approach. He has created each of us in His image. Each of us He's created in His image. His image has been placed in us. His likeness has been placed in us for His glory. Not our attention, not our glory, but for His glory. Because He is so great. This is what it means to approach our Abba Father in heaven and say, Hallowed be Your name. This is what it means. It's to say, you are awesome. You are powerful beyond measure. His image has been placed in us. And this is what it looks like. God the Father looking in the mirror. And what the reflection is that He sees is you. 
the reflection that he sees in is you in perfection through Christ Jesus. He sees you. And he looks in the mirror and he says, I love my image of Larry in the mirror. I love my image of Becca in the mirror. I love my image of Christy in the mirror. I love my image in the mirror. He has placed his image deep within you and I for his own glory that he might say, I love you despite who you've been, despite where you've been, despite where you might go. I love you. That's how awesome, powerful, and majestic our father is. So my question is this. Are you able to approach God as your father today? Are you in that place where you're able to approach God as your daddy today? Are there wounds deep down inside of you still left there by the fingerprints and the handprints and other prints of an of a earthly father or earthly daddy figure that have wounded you so deeply that it is difficult for you to approach your father in heaven because it's difficult for you to trust that he could actually love you? And the call today is for you to be able to be healed to the extent that you could approach him you could be in his presence so that your father in heaven who loves you dearly could like radiate his awesomeness into you by the power of his spirit, the movement and the power of the cross, and that he might heal you, change you, and transform you. And what this looks like is this. It looks like approaching God and saying it this way. Father, hallowed be your name. Daddy, you are so holy. You are so perfect. You are so amazing. God, you are so awesome. You are so big. Like, look at how big your muscles are, Jesus. Could be part of what we might say in a prayer that is vertical towards our Father. I might say, you're my daddy. You've loved me. You've created me. You've saved me through the power of the cross, Christ and the resurrection. Father, hallowed be your name. That's the way we approach God is as our father and as legitimate children. He has taken us from being illegitimate children in a messy family. And he's pulled us out of that and placed us in his kingdom and made us legitimate children, objects of his love, no longer objects of his wrath, objects of his love because of Christ, in Christ, by Christ, through Christ. We are now objects of of his love. He did this. You and I didn't. He did this. It's an awesome picture. The second way that we practice vertical prayer is when we invite God to establish his kingdom. Jesus says this says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. In other words, part of praying vertically or in a God-centered way, is to confidently, with assurance, ask the Lord to establish His kingdom here on earth, just as it is in heaven. This whole concept is similar, once again, to the picture of a contractor building our home. The picture of a beautiful house that you've always wanted, that you're looking at in a magazine. That picture as you trust that contractor to build that home. And maybe in that picture, that home is just barely visible. And what God is doing is making it completely visible for all to enjoy. In vertical prayer, what we do is we invite God. We invite God to bring his kingdom here. Not that by inviting him we empower him to do so because God is God and he can do whatever he wants. And he will establish his kingdom regardless of where you and I land. But what Jesus is instructing us to do is that we must approach God vertically this way. We must approach him in a way that says, God, I desire your kingdom to be built. I, I desire your kingdom to be planted. I desire your kingdom to be visible, not just in heaven, but here on earth. We want a representation of you here in our midst. I want you to think of your family. 
Like, we want this in our family. We want Jesus to be made famous in our family. Jesus to be made famous in our church. Jesus to be made famous in our community. Do you guys understand how many people in Hastings, Nebraska, do not know Jesus? This is the reason we began to plant a church here. 70% of the 26,000 people here do not know Jesus. And yet, here we are, us as a small group, worshiping, gathering to hear the preaching of the gospel this morning. And yet, there are many who are still sleeping in their beds and they don't know of Him for many, many reasons. 19,000 people right outside the walls of this church building not know Jesus. Our prayer is that God would establish His visible kingdom here on earth. And God's kingdom has always been, listen, God's kingdom has always been pictured by the image or picture on a refrigerator or hanging on the wall. The picture of God's kingdom has always been an image of people and places being filled with God's presence. Look at the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. People and a place filled with God's presence. And then sin entered and made a radical mess of it. We need Jesus, right? Look at the Old Testament tabernacle as you do a study on the Old Testament tabernacle. Here is a place filled with God's people, filled by the presence of His Spirit. It's a visible and tangible representation and presence of God Himself among His people in a place so that other nations would be blessed by the message of the Gospel at work in and through people. This is what it means to have the kingdom established in our midst. All these examples are illustrations or pictures of God establishing His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The great thing about all of these things, all these pictures and all these examples is that every one of them points to Jesus. Every one of them points to Jesus. And the problem for many of us, listen, this is the, the same with Israel, the same with the Jews, the, the same in Jerusalem, and the same for us today in the church. The problem with us is this. Instead of it being about Jesus, it becomes about our programs. It becomes about our worship spaces, as beautiful as this is. And as much as a beautiful representation as this space and place is of the grandness and the beauty of our God in heaven, all of this pales in comparison to the actual, absolute, endearing, loving, thick presence of God among us. Many of those places in the Old Testament, New Testament, and even today, if they are devoid of God's power and God's presence, they are mere physical objects, just like you and I, if we are devoid, divorced from, lacking God's presence deep within us, we are hopeless. People, places, filled with the presence of God. This is what it means to establish God's kingdom here and to desire that. When you go to prayer with God, if that is a deep desire within you, the Spirit is placing that there. And he wants to fan the flame of that. And so then you and I can just connect with our Father in heaven and say, God, bring your kingdom here. Make your gospel visible. Make us a people and a place that is filled with you that we might be a blessing to our community, our family, our neighborhood. The other day, the other day, I was sitting on my back porch studying a little for this message, and I heard what sounded like the loudest, most horrifying shrieks and cries and screams coming from outside our home. So I quickly ran to the front of the house just in time to see a blue car. We live in a residential neighborhood to see a blue car <coughs> flying down our street as fast as it could go. And I began thinking about dropping a brick through his windshield so he would never do that again so he doesn't run over a kid. I didn't do that. I repented quickly. <clears throat> Floated down the street, pulled into a house, four or five houses down. Man that was about twice my size, a guy that I would not want to mess with, gets out of his car, slams his fist down at the top of his car, runs into the house screaming and yelling. I see a little girl come outside crying. I see this man and his wife fighting and arguing. I thought, honestly, I thought he was just going to hurt this woman. I didn't know what to do. 
I remember standing in the middle of the street and the only thing that I could pray deep inside of me was this, God, build your kingdom here. God, build your kingdom here. I know that you can fix this. I know that you can change this. I know that if I go down there, he's going to pummel me into the dirt. Or I might pummel him into the dirt. We'll just have to see about that. Or he take out his knee. But God, we need you to come. We need you to come and establish your kingdom here. This is what it means to pray, God, establish your kingdom here as it is in heaven. Because in heaven there is no more tears, no more mourning, no more crying, no more death, no more sickness, no more pain, no more sin. There's none of that because we're in the presence of God Almighty and everything has gone away. That's what it means to establish that kingdom here. It points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. Is Jesus the cornerstone of your life? Can you say this morning that Jesus is the cornerstone of your life? Is He the building block of your family? Is He the hinge pin of your business? Is He the main course of the meal of your desires? Does your heart long for His Word? Is your mind filled with thoughts of Jesus on a continual basis? Or His anxiety and trouble and work and busyness and fear and sin choked out those thoughts and desires for Jesus? Is there adequate times of silence and solitude in your life where you are enabled to come to Him and say, You are my Father. I know that You love me and I love You. Please establish Your kingdom deep within the wells of my heart. And then flow up from inside of that something that is so beautiful in my life that others would be winsomely attracted to the work of the gospel deep within me. Is this what you could say is happening in your family, in your church, in your neighborhood, in this community? It's my prayer for us. It's my prayer for us. It's my prayer for the body of Christ all over. And that we would well up like a wellspring of life. And if you can't tell, this gets me excited. Like this makes me happy. This fills me with joy to think this way because I've seen it happen in my own family. I've experienced it. And I know that many of you here have as well. I've experienced it. I know my past is filled with divorce and drugs and alcohol and near-death experiences. I know that Jesus reached in by the sovereignty of His good Father's will, my good Father's will, and saved us, saved me, saved our family, radically changed us. He established His kingdom in our home. It's my prayer for all of us is that He would do that. And we practice vertical prayer when we relate to God as our Father and when we invite Him to establish His kingdom among us. But what about horizontal prayer? I said that prayer was about vertical prayer. And horizontal prayer. What about horizontal prayer? Well, here's what Philip Ryken then says about horizontal prayer. He says that in horizontal prayer, we turn. Turn. He says we turn from the majesty of God to the needs of His people. Let me just say it again. I want to build this out because I want to argue with the commentator for a minute. Though he actually has letters after his name and I do not I want to argue with him for a minute, and I hope you guys will track with me. This is what Riken says. says, we turn from the majesty of God to the needs of his people. And I would basically agree with what Riken is saying in terms of vertical and horizontal prayer. And I would basically agree with his short definition of what it means to practice horizontal prayer. Because I think that he's basically headed in the right direction. But the problem that I have, and I would argue for this, is basically a one-word change. Leave it to preachers to want to argue semantics, right? <laughs> I hope that you guys will track with me and follow me, though. And I think that maybe the light bulb will go off because it did for me. Because something wasn't right about this statement for me. And it took me a while just sitting back and asking the Lord, God, you got to give it to me because I don't understand what the problem is that I have. And I feel like he just finally dropped it for me. Here's the way that I would maybe change what Riken's definition is, I would say this. I would say that horizontal prayer, in horizontal prayer, we turn not from, that's the word that I have a problem with, not from, but in view. You see the difference? 
In horizontal prayer, we turn not from, but in view of the majesty of God to the needs of His people. See, my problem with the definition is this. If we turn from the majesty of God and to the needs of His people, then we are quite literally misplacing how we approach the needs of God's people and we begin to maybe approach the needs of God's people in our own limited and finite understanding and ability. But if we turn in view vertically of God's majesty, God's power, God's awesomeness, and we turn at the same time to the needs of God's people in view of all that, then what takes place is we turn to the needs of people with our eyes locked on Jesus. I say this all the time in premarital counseling or in any counseling sessions with couples who are having issues. And I always use the triangle picture. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you got husband over here and you got wife over here and they're looking at each other and they're yelling at each other and they're arguing with each other and they got issues with each other and it's all about each other and one another. And what they need to do is they need to start looking upwards vertically to Jesus and keep their eyes locked there. And then what will inevitably happen is they will meet once again at the throne of God. They'll meet at Christ. But as soon as they take their eyes off the majesty of God, which is made visible in Jesus himself, is that they just never get their eyes locked on each other, on the needs, on the, on the human things. So that's why I would argue, that as we turn to the needs horizontally of God's people, we must do so with our eyes continuously locked vertically upon the majesty of God. So now we've got that established. What is horizontal prayer? And I will make this quick. Because I know I'm infringing on lunchtime. And if Larry didn't warn you guys, I'm usually an hour and 15 minute preacher. So if I get less than that, it'll be by God's grace and mercy. So what is horizontal prayer? What does it mean to bring the needs of God's people to him? Jesus says it this way in verses 3 and 4 of our text. Look at verses 3 and 4. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. In other words, horizontal prayer is asking God for daily provision, daily pardon, and daily protection. Let me say this again. This is important that we get this. Horizontal prayer is asking God for daily provision, daily Pardon and daily protection. Notice the three requests in these verses. Daily bread, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation. Daily provision, daily pardon, daily protection. Three requests with two natures. One request for physical provision. Two requests for spiritual renewal. From this we learn that though God is willing, adequately willing, adequately able, more than willing, over flowing more than abundantly able to provide for our physical provision he is doubly willing able to provide for our spiritual renewal it's important to note it's important to note as we work through this piece the sense of the phrase the sense of the phrase in the opening line of verse three the phrase in the opening line of verse three is this give us each day the reality is, is what he's saying is daily, day by day, every day. He's saying that as we come to our father in heaven, in light of the fact that he is establishing his kingdom, we come to him daily, day by day, every day. And we say, God, in light of those things, in light of who you are and what you're about and what you're doing, I come to you and I beg of you and I plead with you and I ask you, please provide for me physically and not just me. It's not just in the singular, but it's in the plural. Provide for us. Provide for the corporate nature, the corporate gathering, the, the corporate church, which is unified by your spirit and the shed blood and the broken body of Christ. Provide for us. Provide for our physical needs. Lord, we need you to do this. And so we practice horizontal prayer when we ask God for physical provision on a daily basis, day by day. Every day, daily. We could ask for financial provision, physical nourishment, homes to live in, clothing to wear, healthy bodies. We can ask our Father in heaven for all these things. We can ask him to provide just enough. 
We can ask him to, to help us to trust him. We can ask him to keep us rooted in him like firm oaks with, with deep roots that are deeply rooted in the message of the gospel. We can ask him for these things because he is a good father. We ask him because he is a good father and he gives us the desires of our hearts as he changes the desires of our hearts. Try that one on for a minute. Because when I first began praying, it was like, hey Lord, will you help my wife do what I want her to do? Hey Lord, will you help my kids to just mind and behave? Especially when we're at church so that they don't give me a, like a bad reputation. I began to pray that way when I first prayed. I still pray that way sometimes today, just so you know. And what God does is He begins to change the desires and the affections of our hearts so that we no longer pray in a self-centered way. We begin to pray in a other's focused way he is happy God is happy to provide for us just remember in the Old Testament that he provided for the Israelites he provided manna from heaven right and our scriptures say that we should not live on mere bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God this is where we receive our nourishment is from Jesus. He is, he is the main portion at the table as we feed and we should be feeding on him. And we do that through the reading of his word and through time spent in prayer. And just as he clothes the fields with flowers, feeds the birds of the air, just as he does those things, he is more than happy to do the same for us because he has placed his image in us. Though it may not always be what we expect when we pray, when we ask our Father, it may not always be what we expect. We can trust that our Father in heaven is always ready to provide what we need physically as we bring our horizontal prayer requests to Him. The second piece of praying horizontally as we begin to really wrap this thing up and land the plane on the freeway. When we practice horizontal prayer, we do this by asking God for spiritual renewal daily. So we ask God for physical provision daily, and then we ask God for spiritual renewal daily. You ever had those days where you just walk around and you just feel like, man, this just stinks. Like, I just feel dirty inside. I feel empty. I feel dry. I need like a Sunday morning church gathering to get me re-amped. I need a small group during the week or a Bible study to get me re-amped. And the reality is those things are true. These are part of the means of grace whereby God continues to change us and transform us. Prayer is a vital piece of that as well. It's a means of grace. It's a pipeline of grace whereby God pipes in His grace into you. We are changed by grace. Prayer is one of those pipelines, just like a small group, just like a Sunday morning gathering, just like time and Scripture. Prayer is one of those pipelines. We need to be spiritually renewed, not one time, but all the time, all the time. This is not, Christianity has never been about just praying a funky sinner's prayer, getting dunked in some water, and then we sit in a pew the rest of our lives. It's never really been just about that, though that is a piece of the journey. The reality is it's an ongoing day by day, daily, every day process whereby we come to the throne of our father in heaven as his children because he saved us because he's so awesome and when we come to him we say will you please not only provide for me physically but please provide for my spiritual renewal continue to make me new the scriptures radically claim that in Christ we are made into new creations. I'll tell you, one of the problems in the church today is that a lot of so-called quote-unquote Christians don't live like Christians. Don't live in a way that actually images Christ. Right? And the reality is, is because we have, we have relegated church life and the gospel at work in us. We've relegated it down to programs. And what we need, what we need is an active and fresh Move the Spirit in us whereby we are asking Him and we are desiring for spiritual renewal to take place on a daily basis. And as complex as it may seem, as complex as I've probably made it sound, it's actually very simple. It's actually very simple according to the Scriptures. It is the simple, continued, daily acknowledgement and application of the Gospel to our lives. It sounds like this. Father, You are awesome. 
Please continue to establish your kingdom not only in my heart, but in the entire world as well. Please provide for my physical needs daily. Please forgive me of all my sins. All the things that I specifically remember and know of today and over the last week, as well as the things that I don't remember, please forgive me for those things and help me to extend the same forgiveness and the same grace and the same mercy that you've extended to me. Help me to do the same thing to others around me. Help me to image you in the way that I forgive other people. Help me to forgive as you've forgiven me. Help me to love as you've loved me. Help me to extend grace as you've extended grace. Help me to be like you. Please help me, Father, every day by protecting me from the temptation to sin. Help me not to make excuses for my sin. Help me not to blow up smoke screens so nobody sees my sin. Help me to quit faking it and pretending. I'm going to be honest and accountable. I'm going to be transparent and vulnerable. Protect me from sin, Lord God. Protect me from temptation. Help me to walk in a way that is pure and God-honoring. Please help me to live in a way that restricts sinful activity and sinful wandering. Help me to be a sheep that is held rock solid by the hand of God. To pray horizontally. To pray horizontally is simply to ask God daily physical provision and spiritual renewal when you do this when you and i do this we inevitably find ourselves in the presence of the lord that's where we find ourselves we find ourselves translated or transported out of all of the busyness and the hectic mess and the things of this life transported out of that kingdom and into the heavenly kingdom in the presence of god our father who is good and glorious and loves to commune deeply with his children it's about communion that's the reality when you think about the act of communion that as a church we often partake in and engage in this act of praying is really riveted in the same concept as communion because it is through the broken body and the shed blood of our sinless savior the first missionary who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as we partake in communion, what we are actually doing is rehearsing the gospel. We are practicing openly the gospel because that broken body symbolized by the bread and that shed blood symbolized by the wine or the juice is what ties us and holds us together and gives us communion with one another, but most importantly, gives us communion with our Father in heaven who is establishing His kingdom among us. And what will happen is in these moments of prayer as you pray in this pattern, as you pray vertically and horizontally, as you pray in a cross centered way as you pray in a gospel centered way then the reality is that you find yourself sitting at Jesus' feet much like Mary in the passage that we studied last week much like Mary sitting at Jesus' feet feeding upon every word of God every word that came from her Savior's lips feeding on the presence of the word who has become flesh this is what it means to commune with our Heavenly Father who loves us and is establishing His kingdom among us. It's about the privilege of coming to God and asking Him daily for physical provision, spiritual renewal. So as, I, as I conclude, I'd like to share a quick story with you guys. I hope you guys will allow me the time to do so. Nobody told me what time it was we were supposed to stop, so... I invite our musicians forward too if you guys have a closing song. Um, as I wrap up here in a moment, I'll pray us out of here and let her lead us. One of the most intense times of prayer for me was about a year and nine months ago. You guys have heard stories of what it was like for me to grow up. One of the most difficult times of prayer for me was as my mother was dying from cancer. Mom and I didn't have the greatest relationship as I was growing up and and, and moving here, and as I became a minister, uh, it was just always something in between us. But what happened was that about a year before she died, she came down with 
lung cancer. And uh, actually there was cancer in her tongue and there was some cancer in some lymph nodes in her neck. She went in for surgery. What I was unaware of and what she didn't want to tell me was that the cancer had spread to her spine, to her kidneys, to her lungs, to her liver, um, into her bones. It was causing her extreme amounts of pain. And I remember getting a call from her uh, one day. Actually, it was a call from a, an EMT who had come to pick her up from her home. She had fallen and couldn't move. And um, she's nearing the end. And they took her to the hospital. And they said, you need to get here quick. You need to take care of her stuff. And so I remember driving to Lincoln, which is where she lived. And I remember the whole time on the way there, um, hey, please keep my mom alive so I can see her. When I got there and I saw the condition that she was in, I began to pray, God, please take her so that she's not in this kind of pain. I remember for the next uh, 10, 12 weeks, as, uh, as I led our church family, as I preached on a weekly basis, a lot of tears, as I led our family, seven children who love their grandma, didn't want to see her die, remember some of their prayers. I remember praying during that time and just, and just asking God, like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to pray in this time, Lord. I share that story with you not because I have any other answers to give you this morning. I share that story with you just to let you know, man, like, this is life. This is life for us. And we're all going to ask the same question. How do I pray? How do I connect and commune with my Father in heaven in a way that is powerful, tangible, and real, regardless of the outcome. I'll just leave you with that. My prayer is that you would leave asking that question, because it's the question that the disciples asked. Lord, teach us to pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the awesome opportunity to step into this space, and this place, and this time. God, I pray that your spirit would just be moving powerfully in our midst, powerfully in the lives of the people that hear this message. I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself to us in such majestic and awesome ways that we would just be transformed and radically renewed. And God, just draw us into to you. Help us to pray in a way that is meaningful and powerful. Help us to pray in a way that is cross-centered. Help us to pray in a way that is gospel-centered. Help us to pray in a way that glorifies you. I pray for those that are here that may not know you. Lord, I know there are some that are here that think they've known you, but in these moments have realized, I never knew you, but I want to know you. I know that your spirit does that work. I pray that you would draw them to you and save them in these moments. I pray for others that are here that have known you, that have known you for a long time, and even maybe some that have just known you for a short time, I pray, God, that you would renew, reinvigorate the desires of their hearts and that they would desire you and only you as the only necessary portion of their lives, that they would feed on you through the preaching and the reading and the study of the word and through times in prayer and communion with you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Thanks for letting me preach today. I love you guys a lot. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.